Welcome back once more to the Pathology Grand Tour. Today, our reliable old tour bus has brought us to a brand new field, clinical chemistry and biomedical science. I'm Michael Schubert, editor of The Pathologist. Representing their discipline today are Leanne O'Connor, a former cytologist turned clinical chemist, and Gareth McKeeman, a consultant clinical scientist in clinical biochemistry at Belfast Health and Social Care Trust. They're here to describe a day in their lives and tell us what makes their field so vital and so special. Leanne and Gareth, thank you so much for joining us today for the Pathology Grand Tour to talk about clinical chemistry. Can we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Leanne, can we begin with you? Um, so I currently work as a biomedical scientist in the clinical chemistry laboratory in the Southwest Hospital um, in Enniskillen, which is in the Southwest of Northern Ireland. Um, and I started in this role in January 2020. Um, just in terms of my training to lead to this point, I graduated from Queen's in 2000, Queen's University of Belfast in 2005. I uh, was an undergrad degree and proceeded to start the study for a master's in biomedical science at the University of Ulster in Korea in 2007. And then I secured a trainee biomedical scientist role in the Department of Cytology in Belfast Health and Social Care Trust in 2008. And from then on, I completed various qualifications, and um, which included the IBMS, which is the Institute of Biomedical Science, our um, regulatory body, and um, registration portfolio. And then I completed a City and Guilds diploma in cervical screening. And then I continued on to do a specialist portfolio in cytopathology. And I became a senior BMS in cytopathology in 2017. But I decided then, about 2019, that I kind of wanted a better work-life balance. And I wanted to move back to where I was originally from, which is a couple of hours drive from Belfast. So I secured a job as a trainee in the clinical chemistry laboratory in the Southwest Hospital. And I started there in January last year. Um, and I started basically all over again as a biomedical scientist. And I'm now starting um, studying for my specialist in the in clinical chemistry. So that's where I am at the minute. Oh, it's quite a journey. Um, <laughs> what about you, Gareth? Can you tell us sort of a bit about your background? So my name is Gareth McKeeman, and I currently work as a consultant clinical scientist in clinical biochemistry in an NHS hospital lab in Belfast, Northern Ireland. I've been working in clinical biochemistry within NHS now for 14 years, having started as a trainee clinical scientist back in 2007, and then working my way up through the training program, completing my master's, and then finally completion of the FRC path in clinical biochemistry. And I took up my current consultant post in 2015. So prior to working in the NHS, I worked in academia and I was a research fellow at Queen's University of Belfast for four years after I had completed my PhD and my initial undergraduate degree was biomedical science uh, way back in the day now. Again, that's sort of quite a trip through. So in that case, can you tell us, um, we'll go back to you, Leanne, what does a day in the life of a clinical chemist look like? Um, so clinical chemistry kind of in broad terms is concerned with the measurement of um, various amounts of biologically important substances in bodily fluids um, and our department here provides a 24-7 service um, to the hospital and surrounding areas 
um, and we'd process about a thousand samples a day from three different hospital sites and various GP surgeries. Um, so our our service at night and at weekends is multidisciplinary on call. So we'll have one biomedical scientist who covers clinical chemistry, hematology, and blood bank. So on a typical day, on a nine to five shift, you'll come in and you will get your handover from the person who's been on the night shift, and they will tell you if there's any. Um, issues overnight, whether there was any QC issues, um, whether the analyzers had any problems, um, or whether there's any urgent results that need to be phoned out. Um, so once you've done that, the main, the first part of the day is spent with the doing maintenance of our analyzers. Um, and this is a preventative maintenance schedule. So um, according to like the day of the week or the time of the month, it'll require us to do different things. For the analyzers, um, but mainly it's cleaning them, um, restocking them with reagents, consumables, um, replacing various parts as needed, um, and doing backup of all the data, so our QC data and our patient results. Um, so once we'd have that done, we're kind of set up to do the calibrations of the assays and the quality control. Um, and this just makes sure that the analyzers working properly and that the results generated are correct mm -hmm. and reliable. So once we have all that done, uh, we then just start to process samples. So we'll have samples from uh, A&E and urgent uh, departments, um, and they'll have an hour's turnaround time. And then we have our ward samples from the hospital, which four hour turnaround times. And then we have our GP samples. Um, which is 36 hour turnaround time as far as I remember. Um, so basically throughout the day we're running those samples um, and running our QC on a regular basis just to make sure that it, um, the results are, are correct throughout the day. Um, aside from keeping our analyzers uh, running, we also would do what's termed as vetting of results. Um, so most of the results from analyzers um, are auto-validated by our laboratory information um, computer system um, but some are held and these ones would be some results that may be clinically remarkable so they might um, need phoned out urgently um, to uh, they request the clinician just to let them know that there's an urgent result that they need um, to attend to or it might be a result that's very different from the last result that was on the computer system and kind of the BMS role there is to ensure that um, that it the result is okay to be released. Um, so aside from that, then we during the day we would run our EQA samples, which are external quality assurance samples, and they just make sure that um, the way our processes work are of a similar standard to our peer laboratories doing the same tasks across the UK. And um, we do continuous professional development, whether it be training or you know reading our SOPs or doing extra studying like myself with the specialist um, and then it's just things like uh, making up reagents, dealing with any orders and receipt of orders that come in um, or carrying out audits, audits and that kind of thing. So that would be kind of a typical day. Wow, that's amazing. That sounds really busy. I, it is. I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed that you mentioned work-life balance and a 24-7 service at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, the two do really go. I at the minute I'm currently doing nine to five hours because I'm still training. Um, but yeah, when I got my training finished, because I'll have to go and spend some time in hematology and blood bank as well to be able to go on to the on call route. Uh, I'll go on to shift work then. 
What about you, Gareth? Your job must be a bit different as a consultant clinical scientist. So what does the day look like for you? The thing that I like most about my day is that really no day can be, no day is the same. There's always usually something that crops up or pops into your inbox on a daily basis that needs resolved. And I'm sure as Leanne knows, working in clinical biochemistry, there's various issues that crop up during the day. Plenty of times with the work on so much automated equipment. Um, and some of these issues can be more urgent than others, obviously. So currently I'm consultant over the general chemistry, automated clinical biochemistry lab and the point of care testing uh, team across the trust. And this includes three separate hospital sites and we have three labs, two smaller core clinical labs in two of the hospital sites and then a main hub lab, which covers the more specialist biochemistry testing. And our point of care team are responsible for a significant number of point of care devices across the three hospital sites. So my main roles are to provide clinical and scientific leadership in the areas which I work, uh, much of which involves oversight of quality management processes across the laboratory, the procurement and implementation of new analyzers or methods, reviewing verification and validation of new tests, overseeing assay performance across the sites and attending and leading lab quality and governance or management meetings. Uh, another significant aspect of the role involves assisting with the interpretation of clinical biochemistry test results, either via email or by taking phone calls from lab users and clinicians, and providing clinical advice based on these results to assist with the diagnosis and management of particular diseases or conditions. This can sometimes include adding uh, appropriate interpretive comments to reports after closer review of various other test results that the patient may have had completed. I'm also involved with teaching and training staff, and I deliver lectures and seminars to undergraduate students and laboratory staff as well, and act as a supervisor for, for some research projects. And one of the key areas would, for our level of role would be that we um, ensure that we have appropriate policies and procedures in place, and these are all grounded on evidence-based standards. So all our labs in Northern Ireland are currently accredited by UCAS, and and I would work with our quality management team here in Belfast and, and with other consultant staff and, and managers and scientific staff to maintain the high levels of safe working practice by ensuring that these procedures and guidelines are followed that are set by UCAS and that, the, that these are reviewed um, and updated regularly as, as we need to evaluate the service and we receive feedback. So not, and I guess looking at standards, um, we don't only work to UCAS standards, but there's lots of relevant clinical standards and guidelines we need to be aware of. If there are guidelines around a particular method um, or something that is new to the market, a new test, then it would be my role would be to evaluate these and look at the evidence, maybe contact the clinicians involved in uh, that patient group that may want to use such tests, engage their opinion and feedback, and really in, re look at reviewing the test repertoire and ensuring it's best set up to meet the current patient needs. Um, and currently in Northern Ireland, uh, there's a large body of work going on across pathology network uh, on regional standardization. And we're, we're working to move, uh, implement a brand new IT system next year. This is gonna take a lot. This is actually has taken a significant amount of work to get this stage. And there's gonna be a lot more work involved in that as all disciplines are working together to implement this new IT system. So there's a lot of meetings and a lot of, um, a lot of link ups with different teams for that currently as well. Um, I've also done some experience in training and quality improvement. Um, so again, leading quality improvement projects is something I'm interested in as well when I, when I have time to get involved in relevant ones to um, my area. And then also across each days of the week, I'm very closely involved with the point of care team. Um, so, uh, and also working 
very closely with the staff and general chemistry lab as well. So we'll have meetings and discussions about what's going on currently in the lab. Um, maybe looking at internal quality control or EQA reports if there's something that's been flagged up as an issue that needs resolved. Uh, looking at performance shifts in some assays and then reviewing these and, and working out how best to troubleshoot. Um, and we, and, the, and, and attending lots of meetings as well about, in these areas as well. So I think it would be fair to say that a substantial aspect of um, my work sort of probably falls under the umbrella of governance and risk management. So I'm working with other staff in the lab, uh, managers, uh, biomedical scientists, leads, governance leads, quality leads. We're constantly reviewing the lab service that we provide. We're collecting a lot of data and we're looking at this data and trying to make uh, judgments and make areas and, and pick out areas where we can improve on and put uh, corrective or preventive actions in place as needed. Gosh, I absolutely see what you mean about every day being different. I don't see how it couldn't be with that long list of things. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. There's no, there's no way I'm doing that all that every day, but it's just a strand or, you know, of the various things that go on in our lab. And certainly each, each day we're popping in and out of different strands, different work streams, and um, it is very variable and very enjoyable. I think it's possible that a lot of people fail to realize just how many different things your discipline is involved in. Well, yeah, I think, I think yeah, definitely there's so many things going on in biochemistry with lots of uh, different specialties, even with a set within biochemistry. Um, and I mean, this really applies to any lab. All labs have um, a, a huge number of uh, workers behind the scenes. So it's not only the scientists uh, like myself and Leanne, you know, the biomedical and clinical scientists. There's also medical pathologists giving advice and results. There's admin teams that are involved in picking in samples and taking phone calls. We have quality management teams as well that are lead quality projects and oversee the quality management processes. And we have um, also managers as well uh, who are like managing you know high level um, you know and procurements and implementations. So there's a lot of staff behind the scenes that really go unnoticed for a large part of the time by the general uh, population. Definitely, I think that's probably unfortunately true that a lot of the population don't realize that you know jobs like yours exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just add in as well, we have our lab support staff, like our medical laboratory assistants as well, and they play a vital role as well in the run of all laboratories. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's I think they, yes, I yeah, agree. Yeah. I think sometimes they probably don't realise how important role they play. I'm, I'm sure you would agree yeah. then that we you know because they were the ones that are hitting the, the sample comes to them first. Yeah. And I think you mentioned, I think we're the same here, Leanne, that there's quite a lot of your results go straight out and they're all validated. Isn't that yeah. right? Did yeah. you say that? Yeah. And I think from that point of view, I think it's important for that, that in terms of lab staff connecting with the patient, the vast majority of samples coming through, the only lab person that will handle the sample will be those medical laboratory assistants. And, uh, you know, if the results are normal, uh, they go straight out. And I think it's important that, so whenever they are handling the sample, it's really they're the, they're the key person in many cases, uh, and the only person that will be able to, you know, maybe pick up an error or see something looking a bit odd. Because once it goes through their hands and onto the automated analyzers, then no one else really is looking at it unless yeah. there's a, a very bizarre result. 
Yeah, and they're also wee fountains of knowledge, I find. <laughs> you know, yes. the labs that know a lot, and if you need to know something, they're, they're a good place to start. Definitely. Yeah. Yes, I agree, definitely. Keep me right, many's the time. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you both for saying that. I think it's a really important thing, and I don't think it gets said enough. So, Leanne, tell me, you said you'd, you'd changed from cytology to clinical chemistry. Yeah. What was that change like? Um, it was a massive change, definitely. Um, I think you can't get really two more different disciplines if you tried. Um, cytology is very manual. Um, we do have processors and things, but not nothing like what biochemistry have. Um, and for what we would have called diagnostic cytology samples, so non-cervical um, samples, a lot of manual prep involved in that. So you're physically getting your hands on the specimen, prepping it, cleaning it up as good as you can for microscopic analysis. And then it's the screening of cervical samples in particular. Um, are manually screened um, by biomedical science staff and cytoscreeners, and we will issue reports um, based on what we see. Um, it's a very varied role in cytology because you have um, screening, you know, your microscopic analysis, and the things, you the physical prep of samples. I attended um, radiology clinics, and um, so it's part of kind of multidisciplinary teamwork in there for assess inadequacy of samples, ensure that we could get a diagnosis when the samples were brought back to the laboratory and I was involved in training staff and quality management there. Biochemistry on the other hand is very automated. Um, we load the samples onto the analyzers and then the analyzers generate the results. Um, but I suppose where the BMS rule comes in there is in, interpreting results and making sure the results are right, um, especially when they're held back um, on our laboratory middleware so they might be held back because there's a high um you know like a high result and it wants to repeat it or the sample has clotted and it needs to go back on again or it's querying that might be the sample might be contaminated um i find that the rule isn't as varied within my particular lab as the cytology rule would have been but that's because we're a smaller lab with smaller or not as many tests being offered or as many sections to kind of to rotate through what your bigger labs like for Garth is and Belfast would have lots of variety because lots of different sections and things to work through. And um, the the two different the disciplines may be really different in the technical aspect of things, but I think coming from a cytology background into biochemistry at a really good understanding just of how a lab works, you know, so like quality management and things, how all that kind of relates. It's kind of standard across all disciplines, same as you know your training requirements for staff. They're standard. Um, so, yeah, two very different disciplines. <laughs> but a steep learning curve now, definitely, when I come into biochemistry. Excellent. Well, it's glad, it's good that you found your way there then. Yes, yeah. So tell me, uh, we'll start with you, Gareth. What's the proudest moment you've experienced in your career? And on the flip side, is there anything that frustrates you about it? Uh, well, from my point of view, I was extremely proud to get through the FRC PATH exams because mm -hmm. I'm not very good at exams and retaining information. So that was a big achievement for me. But um, I guess on a more serious note, uh, recently I've been very pleased to have been able to work with great teams uh, across the hospital and implement new measures to improve patient experience uh, and provide more effective healthcare. So back in 2017, I uh, worked with ED and cardiology consultant and nursing colleagues to implement uh, a new one-hour chest pain pathway 
um, an ED for faster rule-in or rule-out of NSTEMI um, using the Roche High Sensitivity Troponin T assay. And this work picked up an Advancing Healthcare Award at the Northern Ireland Awards back in 2017. And last year, I was also very pleased to lead a, a patient safety project uh, with the, uh, working along with the Royal College of Pathologists. Um, this involved meeting a patient who was receiving care for breast cancer and explaining what role the different lab disciplines and the various lab staff play in their diagnosis and management. And for me, this has been the standout positive experience from 2020. Uh, we were able to meet up in person just before everything locked down for the pandemic at the start of last year. And we were able to record a podcast of our experiences of both sides of the pathway. And I was able to follow the patient to their clinic and, and look and follow the sort of sample collecting processes. And then um, we also had the patient follow the sample straight through into the lab as well and, and what was on the lab. So this really has raised awareness that there's much confusion and, and perhaps some misunderstanding around what goes on behind the scenes here in the lab. And that often this causes unnecessary anxiety for patients. So I'm currently working with some lab colleagues and patient volunteers on a project to develop uh, better patient information around laboratory testing with some explanations of the processes involved in generating a result, whether it be from blood test or tissue sample, and break down some of the information barriers that seem to exist and maybe can cause unnecessary anxiety. So that's certainly a project I'm very much enjoying and um, I'm very proud to be involved in that. So in terms of frustrations, I guess one of the things that frustrates me at times is that often, and I maybe have pointed this already, that lab or lab teams are not consulted or contacted before changes to patient services are discussed. We're often invisible um, to both service users and the general public, and that would be an area I'd like to see improve. And the, lab get, the lab also gets the blame for a lot of things, um, I think, which are often not warranted. Um, and we're not we're obviously not we're obviously not always there or be able to be there at the front end to defend ourselves. Um, for example, I have been made aware of situations where our lab staff have witnessed it firsthand. I think I can recall one instance when there was a member of staff relayed their experience. I think it was either they were attending an outpatient appointment or they actually were um, on a ward in a hospital and they'd heard medical and nursing staff explaining the reasons for not having results back on time to a patient was because the lab had probably lost the sample again or something along those lines. And when you hear things like this, it really makes me frustrated because these are, these, we're an easy target to throw into a conversation or blame when things go wrong as we're not patient facing and we don't have anyone on the patient side and that, that front end to defend us. And it can be frustrating when maybe all our non-lab staff maybe don't have time to investigate the causes of such errors fully by gathering all the correct information and connecting maybe with the correct people uh, in the lab as well. I, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I would like to think that these occurrences or such things don't happen very often, but the fact that we're hidden behind the front end um, clinical staff means that really the patient perceptions of what lab medicine is and how lab scientists impact their care is really false. It's, it's either falsely interpreted or goes largely unnoticed. I agree. That would, that's a definite frustration. It's one I've seen echoed across lab disciplines. Leanne, yeah, what are think, your thoughts? Oh, sorry, Gareth, go ahead. I was just coming to my head there. I was just thinking about the COVID situation as well. Um, sorry, I uh, just coming into my head. I'm sure, I'm not sure if anyone, or if you've seen the, those documentaries that were on TV last year about the, the, the COVID testing labs, I think, and they were exposing the poor, the poor quality standards, you know, yeah. in some of these labs. And, Really, that really has done nothing. 
you know, to promote clinical hospital labs at all. There's, again, there's a lot of misunderstanding of what we do and how we run our service. And if those people, you know, that are watching those programs actually seen, as we've just talked about, the actual sheer number of people that are actually in behind the scenes working to keep quality standards to a high level, then I think the perception would be very different. So we need to all work together to promote the message that we are a workforce that are highly qualified. We're highly regulated people. We all have to um, abide by various regulations by the HCPC or, or RCPATH. Or, um, and we take our job very seriously and we... Um, take pride in our work, and we all and we work to some of the highest quality and safety standards um, around. In my eyes, completely agree. And I think the pandemic has been amazing in terms of raising awareness of the lab, but also perhaps almost equally bad in terms of misinforming people. Yes, there's a lot of misinformation, um, and and if people are just watching the same news channel all the time, then they're not seeing the full picture really. And uh, I know some of the unions or the the specialist groups such as the Association of Clinical Biochemistry and the Royal College have really put together some excellent information about new labs and what goes on in labs. And they are using that to promote to governments and to um, those, you know, on par in each of the different um, four nations. So that's really um, great material that we can use as well to try and promote our role and, and, and the importance of what we do in, the, in, in our hospital laboratories. Yeah, I think just when you said about the COVID pandemic as well, um, Garth, I actually emailed our health minister here um, for Biomedical Science Day. It's um, a day our institute runs once a year just to kind of promote um, the work biomedical scientists do. And I had asked them would they mind recording a uh, just a wee message for to improve morale for biomedical scientists, just um, to mark the day. Because I thought if we, if we get it any year, we would get it the, it the year where the lab staff have been really at the forefront of you know the COVID testing and things. So he kindly obliged, and it was very nice um, to just get the recording from him, and it helped you know promote the profession. So that was good. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, um, that's what we need more of those sort of things. Then. And yes. I think you're right. Those days, like Biomedical Scientist Day and National Pathology Week coming up yeah. now in November, we really need to use those better and target them wherever we can to promote laboratory um, pathology and promote all the work that goes on. Yeah. And I remember when I worked in Belfast, we went to Biomedical Science Day a few years ago. We had a stand in the foyer of the Royal hospital and all the different disciplines had um, representatives at it and we just met the public and we had brought microscopes from cytology and they were looking at slides and it was just really engaging and um, so I know some of the feedback we got from um, you know, the general public was that it was just nice to put a face um, to the lab. No brilliant that's great. Oh, just when you mentioned yeah. microscopes it uh, just was making me laugh there I was thinking that um, Quite often, the last thing that's frustrating is that I'm sure maybe you now find this whenever you move to clinical chemistry is that everyone thinks that lab staff look down microscopes all day. Do you, do you, uh, have you found that? Yeah, past? or um, what I find when I said I was moving to chemistry, I got a lot of sure you just push buttons all day. <laughs> that's right. so, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, I suppose there is that um, stereotypical image of sitting looking down a microscope, but that doesn't happen in a lot of disciplines. Yeah, so, too right. Yeah. Definitely. Just before we skip ahead here, Leanne, do you want to tell us a little bit about your proudest moment and also, of course, about anything that frustrates you? Yeah. 
Um, I really had to think about a proudest moment, and to be honest, I probably have a couple. Uh, one, like Garth, was um, passing my uh, cervical screening exam. Um, it just required a lot of work, a lot of studying, a lot of effort, a couple of years of training. Um, it's probably the scariest exam I've ever done, ever done, and I never want to do one again. Um, but the second thing would be just, I was kind of a training officer in cytology, so I would have helped a lot of um, undergrad students um, who come out in their placement year from the University of Ulster or um, people from Queen's University, um, and they were doing their IBMS registration, registration portfolio when they were with us. Um, so the first student that I had for them to pass um, was just a great achievement and you know it was just nice to have the effort they had put in and the effort I had put in rewarded and similarly um, with the first student I put through their screening exam um, it's just it's a lovely feeling when they pass and they've done well and they've um, just it's a great reward and I think you're just training the next generation and you're just hoping that you're kind of inspiring them and being as positive about the profession and things as you can be um, so the frustration, I kind of thought about this as well, but I think what I came up with was the, the lack of opportunities for career advancement for biomedical scientists and clinical chemistry. And kind of what I mean by that, coming from a cellular pathology background, um, there's advanced qualifications to consultant biomedical scientist roles. So um, for cervical screening and for uh, now non-cervical screening um, and the same for histopathology, dissection and reporting. But those opportunities don't exist currently for clinical chemistry or the blood sciences really um so that's something i'd like to see you know in the future that the same opportunities will exist for us to be able to um progress our career if we want to go down a more technical role as opposed to a management role okay and can you tell me how has the covid19 pandemic affected your work so initially back at the start of the pandemic within biochemistry there was an initial fall in number of samples coming into the lab when strict lockdowns were introduced and the majority of primary care outpatient and elective works had stopped so this has crept up back back up to normal over the in the months um that have just passed but by far the most significant rise in demand around the end of 2020 has been really in point of care testing services and on our lab point of care team with the surge in the availability of many new coronavirus tests, whether these be PCR-based or um, antigen-based tests. And there was a lot of new devices and tests thrust in our direction that we had to review and verify and work out how we could use them uh, at the ward end to improve patient flow. So this was not obviously straightforward. Many of these devices were brand new and that required a lot more hands-on input and de detailed sample preparation compared to the typical point of care devices that ward staff were used working with up until this point. So this really has led myself and all our colleagues having to make decisions on the safest way to manage these installs um, and really working out, should we be sending our lab staff to the ward to run these tests or bring these tests into the lab, which really defeats, defeats the point of care element. And um, ultimately it was down to balancing risk. So really, out of this, there's been lots of uh, increased cross-discipline working, which really has been a benefit. And really, there has been strong links performed like uh, now between biochemistry and virology, certainly in our trust. Uh, we've got strong partnerships looking at these point-of-care tests with the virologists with the clinical and expertise around, you know, the, the virus and um, and us looking in at the, and us in terms of biochemistry and the oversight and management of the point-of-care service. So this really... This, this increase in workload of these point of care tests has increased uh, the staff pressures 
to um, a very high level. Um, but it's also highlighted how important the point of care teams are within the hospital community. And it's been good to be able to highlight the role of point of care and patient care and the need to have appropriately trained lab scientific staff with relevant specialist knowledge around the test involved to manage such changes. Okay, I think we're running a bit low on time. So let me just ask you both one more question. And if you don't mind, Gareth, we'll begin with you again. What's the main thing you would want other lab professionals or other healthcare professionals in general to know about clinical chemistry and biomedical science? Uh, well, I guess I've maybe touched on some of this already, but from a biochemistry point of view, um, I would want them to highlight how vast the subject matter is and really highlight the various specialties within biochemistry that people can focus and develop their expertise around. So, for example, uh, I think Leanne has mentioned some of these, the typical core biochemistry lab, we have general chemistry, which is now largely automated with advanced robotics, but we also have other specialties within biochemistry with toxicology, endocrine, regulatory peptides, oncology, tumor markers, proteins, metabolic biochemistry and neonatal screening, trace elements as well, and, and specialist biochemistry tests. So train, typically clinical scientists or biomedical science staff will train and work on each of these specialties within biochemistry and then often will develop an interest in one area and spend more time working on that and studying around that area. Uh, and this would include learning all about the various methods that are involved, spectrophotometry, immunoassay, high-performance liquid chromatography or mass, spect mass spectrometry as well. So as well as... Um, so it's really, I think it's really useful that we have lots of um, roles, different lots of specialties to get involved in. So for any lab professional, it's good for them to know that there are many opportunities to develop new skills in biochemistry with a choice of different roles that you can try out and get stuck into across the discipline. And we also, um, in biochemistry, with advancements in automation and electronic ordering, um, again, together with the sheer number of tests we do, we generate lots and lots of data. And this includes data on sample logistics and testing, also internally internal quality control data. And I think one of our staff calculated across biochemistry labs in the three hospital sites here where I work, we generate over 2,000 quality control results a day. So that's a lot of data to look at and a lot of things to check each day. So there's much room for even more expertise to be developed around um, data interrogation and you know more IT support rules because I think we're very good at generating data, but I think the, the, at the minute the site, the downfall is that we don't have enough staff looking at all the data and looking to see where we can make further improvements. So there's certainly an area where there's lots of different roles to get stuck into. Um, and really, it's a really worthwhile area to work in, in my eyes. Excellent. And Leanne, what about you? What would you like other lab or other healthcare professionals to know about your work? I think just... Um, I go probably what Gareth has said there, but maybe adding that just we are working truly at the heart of healthcare and the results that we produce and um, provide other healthcare professionals um, with vital scientific information to allow them to make informed decisions about the best care for their patients. And the biomedical scientists, you know, whether working in clinical chemistry or any other discipline, make a valuable contribution to patient care. Uh, biomedical science, as Gareth has said, is a continually evolving field. Um, so it is interesting and it's a rewarding career choice for anybody who would be interested in it. Absolutely. And as you say, definitely at the heart of healthcare. Yeah, that's our Institute of Biomedical Scientists kind of wee catchphrase, and I think it's a really good one because um, it just encapsulates what we do. Mm, definitely. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay, I'm afraid that's just about all the time we have. So I just want to say thank you again to Leanne and to Gareth for being with us here today for the Pathology Grand Tour and for allowing us to take a stop at clinical chemistry and at biomedical science. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you.